Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Well, I'm preaching and I'm teaching on the law of God and I've titled it, Christ is the end of the law. Christ is the end of the law. Romans chapter 10 verse 5. For Christ is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that believes or that believeth. So Christ is the end of what law? Not the law of the land. Not the law of men. Not the law of karma. (laughs) Not the law of uh, uh, human systems of government, the law of UN, not the international law, not even the law of science or the law, Newton's law of motion, either the first law, the second law, the third law, not the law of our natural laws, but Christ is the end of the law. Watch this, the end of the law for righteousness. So the law for righteousness, there is a law that governs righteousness. There is a law that dictates how we ought to conduct ourselves or we ought to operate in order to appear righteous before God. Why? Because God is a God of righteousness. So Christ is the end of the law. In Matthew chapter um. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 says that, Think not that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I am come not to destroy, but to fulfill. So, pastor, then why are you saying that is the end of the law? Because he himself said he didn't come to destroy the law or abolish the law, but he came to fulfill the law. So please take note of that word. We'll come back to it. Fulfill the law. Because last week, if you remember, I was talking about, I believe the prophets. And I said, Christ came to fulfill the prophets. So the the work of Christ and the purpose of Christ on earth is meaningless unless it is linked to what the prophets have said. That's the essence of last week's teaching, that Christ himself said, you know, whatever I'm doing is meaningless. It doesn't carry weight. It doesn't mean anything unless it is in fulfillment of what the prophets have said. So Christ elevated the voice of the prophets by saying that I came to fulfill what they have, they have said. So anything I'm doing, if it does, if I'm, if it's not fulfilled, any, how do you know he's the Christ? He, he must He must meet the standards of the prophets. How do you know this is the Christ? He must be in accordance and in line with what the prophets have said. So all Christ was doing, he was saying that, listen, everything I'm doing has been prophesied by the prophets. But he also said that not only the prophets, but what the law of Moses, as I said uh, earlier on in our teachings last Sunday, that the law of Moses, the, uh, the law of Moses, Sometimes it's referred to as the as Moses. Okay, so sometimes they say Moses in the law, or as Moses said. 
So the woman was caught in adultery in John chapter 8. They brought to Jesus. They said, they said, Master, what do you say? Moses in the law said. So anytime they said Moses, what they meant was the law, the pure, the pure law, the law that reflected God, the law that depicted God, the Moses in the law. So it's not so much about Moses, but it's about the law. And so um, Bible talks about how Jesus said, I came to fulfill not only the prophets, but the law. The prophets spoke, but the law had demand. The, Lord, the law was making demands on man. It makes demands on man. So I remember years ago when I was in secondary school, when we got born again, the, the chaplain of the school, who was a priest, he was a priest of an institution. The priest said to all the students in the school that, listen, you don't have to bother yourself. The Ten Commandments are ten. If you are able to at least keep five, you have passed. It's 50% pass mark. Six is even better. So just keep some and you are fine. So now it stands, it stands, it stands to suggest that to be a Christian has to do with keeping law. It stands to suggest. That's why sometimes people will tell you, are you keeping the Ten Commandments? You have to obey the Ten Commandments. Please, it's not the Ten Commandments. It's not the law. Because Christ is the end of the law. All right. Why should Christ be the end of the law? Instead of fulfilling the law. He came to fulfill it. That's why he is the end of the law. And as I said, the law comes with demands. And the law has demands. But let's delve a bit more into it. There are, there are three things that Christ did not come to do. It's so important. <laughs> Number one, he did not come to destroy the law. Matthew chapter 5 verse 17 said, I did not come to destroy the law. So he did not come to destroy the law. Number two, John 3, 17, not John 3, 16, John 3, 17. He said, the son of man did not come into the world to condemn the world. So he did not come to condemn the world. He did not come to destroy the law. He did not come to condemn the law, the, 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 uh, the world. And the third one is in Matthew chapter 20 verse 28. He said, he did not come to be saved. He did not come to be saved. He came to serve. He came as a servant. He came to minister. He did not come to be ministered unto Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, but he came. So these are just basic three things that Christ did not come to do. He did not come to be saved. He did not come to destroy the, uh, 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 the, the law. And he did not come to condemn the world. Hallelujah. That's good news. That's really good news. Because in John chapter 5, look at verse 44. John chapter 5, verse 44. John 5.44, this is Jesus having a discourse with the, the Jews. John 5.44, he says that, how can ye believe? All right, let's, I think 45 is better. Do, uh, do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. All right. There is one that accuses you, even Moses, in whom you put your trust. Now, as soon as you see that word, Moses, what does that mean? The law. All right. Moses stands for the law. So when they said we are disciples of Moses, what they are saying is we just follow the law of God. They told Jesus Christ, listen, we are disciples of Moses and we just follow uh, whatever the law. All right. Then Jesus, so that's why Jesus told them in verse 39, he said the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are testifying of me. The scriptures are testifying of me. Jesus said the scriptures are testifying. They are about me. And you will not come to me that you have life. All right. So he says that the scriptures are testifying of me, but you don't want to come to me so, so that you will, you will have life. All right. So Jesus said that 
Don't think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuses you, even Moses. So Jesus, I did not come to condemn the world. I'm not coming to accuse you. You are already under accusation. How? Yeah, because Moses brought the law and the Lord is, an, is accusing you. Really? Yes, I will explain it in a minute. So he said, I did not come to... And what, look at verse 46. He said, for, for had ye believed Moses, ye would believe me, for he wrote about me. Ah, but Moses wrote about the law, yeah. So that law is about me. That's what he's trying to say. But if you have believed Moses, it's about faith in what he said. You would definitely have believed me. But in verse 7, verse 47, but if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? If you didn't believe what Moses said, how shall he believe my word? So if you are saying you believe in Moses, it invariably you end up believing in me. But since you didn't believe in Moses, yet you, th you think you believe in Moses, that's why you are not believing in me, because you didn't believe in Moses. And so actually the law that Moses, Moses wrote, if you keep the law, it's a sign that you have faith in Christ. I will, go, I will just go into that. I'll go into that in a bit. But uh, in John chapter, this is John chapter 6, John chapter 1, Verse 45, listen, this is, and um, verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and said unto him, we have, found, we have found him of whom Moses in the law, you see, and the prophet did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. He said, we have found him. Moses wrote about him in the law. That's what, he, that's what Jesus exactly said. Jesus said that Moses spoke about me, but you won't come to me. So Moses wrote about Jesus in the law, in the book of Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24 is a very strong text. Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 24, reading verse 27. Verse 26, let me just indulge myself in scripture. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter his glory? Bible says, watch this, this is Jesus talking. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, okay, it's called in theological self-cults, it's called inclusio. So he includes that beginning, Moses is Genesis and all the prophets, okay, to Malachi. That means all the Old Testament. So it's called inclusio. It's the, the book ends of the Old Testament, the, law, the beginning of Moses and then the prophets. So from, from, uh, from Genesis to Malachi in the uh, uh, in our, the, Jew, the, 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 the the Bible, okay, in, in our Bible, the Christian Bible, Genesis to Malachi means the, the entirety of the Old Testament. But in the Jewish Bible, it is Genesis to, uh, I think, Chronicles. However, the others are all in the Chronicles. That's the, that's the Jewish um, scripture to a certain extent. So, all right. So, Bible says throughout the Old Testament, he explains, so beginning at Moses. So, anytime you see the word Moses or the, uh, the word Moses, it stands for the law. Okay. So, reading again. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all, did you see that? In all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So, he was dealing with all the scriptures. Bible studies with Jesus himself. That would be amazing. After resurrection, he was teaching them Bible studies. Wow, that would be amazing. And, uh, and as the junior, so he began from Moses. Look at verse 44. Verse 44 says that in Luke chapter 4, verse 24, verse 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that 
all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me, all things must be fulfilled. So he came to fulfill not just the prophets, but he came to also fulfill the law. He came to fulfill the law. Everything. Jesus said, Moses wrote concerning me. All he wrote was about me. And I came to fulfill what Moses wrote. And as I said earlier on in Matthew 5, 17, he says that I did not come to destroy the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Back to Romans chapter 10, verse 4. Remember this, that for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. The law for righteousness to everyone. Not, not all human beings, but to those who believe in Christ or those who are in Christ, to everyone that believeth in Christ, the law, you don't need the law again. Christ is the law, end of the law. Not generally, but he is the end of the law of righteousness to those who believe. So as soon as you believe, God does not expect the requirements of the law for you to meet all the requirements of the law for you to be justified before God. I've, I've, I've mentioned the word justified. Justified. Justified is a judicial terminology or legal word, which means that just as if you have not seen or God has stamped, approved, you have divine approval, approval that you are righteous, you are fine. Okay, so now people in the Old Testament, many of them in the Old Testament, the problem was they were trying to be justified before God through the law that was given. They were trying to be justified before God through the law that was given. Before I even go further into that, may I take this opportunity to speak about why do we need to be justified anyway? What was wrong, what was wrong with us? You have to establish that human, there's, there's, uh, there was a problem with human beings in order to establish that God now expects a certain standard of human beings because in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, the Bible says that God created man in his own image. So if God created man in his own image, are you trying to say there was a problem with the image of God? No, there was no, there was no problem with God. Neither is there a problem with the image of God. All right. So God created us in his image. So then why do we need to meet certain standards in order to look like him or in order be, to be close to him? It's because of what happened through Adam and Eve. Pastor, what happened through Adam and Eve? I think it's better to go there. You cannot be a proper Christian and understand Christianity until you understand what happened to Adam and Eve. You cannot appreciate the work of, the, of Christ on the cross and the life of Christ, you can, there's no way you can appreciate it until you have a holistic and a proper, a healthy or a, a, a true understanding of what happened in the garden to Adam and Eve. So if you take away Genesis, we can't have a gospel. There's no way you can understand the gospel without understanding Genesis. Hello? <laughs> that's so important there is no way you anybody can understand what well, I'll say that again there's no way anybody can understand the gospel can appreciate the gospel without having an idea or understanding of what happened in Genesis chapter 3 or from chapter 1 to chapter 3 what happened in Genesis chapter 1 in Genesis chapter 1 God created man in Genesis chapter 1 verse verse 26, God said, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. And so in the image of God, verse 27, created he them, 
male and female created he them. So God created man in his image. So it's not like just an idea. It was a fact. God created man in his image. But what happened? In the, in, in the Garden of Eden, the, the devil, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Bible says he was a very, he was subtle and cunning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says that, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, has God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So the devil was, was, came in the form of a serpent who was very subtle. And so right in the garden, after God has given them authority to enjoy everything in the garden, apart from only one tree, only one tree, God made the garden. He formed the garden. He made the earth. And then he formed the garden. It's what in Eden. And put man in the garden and make trees grow. And he said, you are free to eat every tree, including, including the tree of life, which is myself packaged into a tree, in, including the tree of life, Genesis chapter verse 16. You are free to eat except, but you are not to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Satan came and he said, oh, why is God telling you you shouldn't eat that one? Why is not God? Why God? Because God doesn't want you to eat it. He knows that the very day you eat it, you become like God, knowing between good and evil, and he doesn't want you to eat. That's why. Don't mind those pastors. They won't don't want you to enjoy life. <laughs> so, the devil said, go ahead, don't obey the word of God, go ahead. So man ate, and then when man ate it, what happened? I want to mention a few things that happened. Number one, man transgressed the law of God. Romans chapter 5, verse 14 says that man, Romans 5, 14, it says that, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. So it was Adam's transgression. It was transgressed. So man transgressed. What does it mean to transgress? To go beyond or trespass or offend. To go, to go beyond the limits of your rights. To step beyond the limits of your rights. So man transgressed when he ate the fruit of the um, the, of the tree when he disobeyed God. Number two, man fell under God's condemnation. Look at verse 16 of Romans chapter 5. And not, not as it was by, uh, sorry, uh, not as it was by one that sinned, so as, and uh, not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation. So what happened? As soon as what does Adam sin? Condemnation stepped in. Okay, so number one, we transgressed the law of God. Number two, we uh, condemnation. We were condemned. In in verse eighteen, says that therefore, as by one man's offense, that's transgression. One man's offense. Uh, sorry, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all uh, upon all men to condemnation so it's like you were judged and you are condemned so all men were condemned man transgressed the so in in the fall man transgressed the the law of god or transgressed the law of god to um, and, and then man came under condemnation. Number three, in Genesis chapter three, verse 17 to 19, Bible says that God cursed the ground. He said, verse 17, and, the, and unto Adam, God said, um, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of your wife and hast eaten of the tree, 
watch, watch this. Of the tree of which I commanded that, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Sorrow, um, sorrow, in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In, in the sweat of thy face shalt thou, uh, uh, shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for thus thou art, and unto that thou shalt. So curse came. So tr we transgressed the law of God. We came under condemnation. The curse of God came on us. Number four, we became estranged. Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. Genesis chapter 3. And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of... Why? They didn't want... To, the relation between man and God became estranged. So a lot happened when Adam sinned, when Adam ate. So uh, transgressed the law of God, came under condemnation. The curse of God came on us. And then we, our relationship with God became estranged and we became alienated from the life of God. According to Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verse 19. Time will not permit me to read it because there's a lot to cover. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, we became, we are alienated from, watch this, from the life of God. We are alienated because of the sin. God created us in his image, but because of sin, we are alienated from the life of God. So we became estranged and alienated from the life of God. That's for number five. In the fall, Satan's evil thoughts, feelings, and will. Satan, his, he has evil thoughts. He has evil feelings and will. It was injected into man. man. Why? It was injected into our mind, our emotion, and our will. So suddenly, our mind, emotion, and will became infested with Satan's evil thoughts, feeling, and well, what Satan wants to do, what Satan wants to be done was injected into us when man fell. As soon as man disobeyed God and obeyed the devil, that's what happened. So uh, we, 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 transgressed the, we transgressed the law of God. We came under condemnation. We came under curse. Satan also injected his, his feelings, his will, and his thoughts into our will, our, our thinking, our emotions, and our feelings. Our emotions and our our think and our will. All right, and it's, it's so clear in the Bible. Satan said, "Did God really say his his intentions were wicked?" Did God Genesis chapter three verse one? Did God really say? And then do you know what happened? Bible says that the woman, the woman in Genesis chapter three verse four to six, when the woman saw. Let me read it. I think I'm there already. Roman, Genesis chapter 3, verse 4. It says that, And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. Don't mind God. He's lying. You shall not surely die. For, for God does know that in the day you shall eat it, your eyes shall be open, and it shall be like him, knowing between good and evil. Now look, look at verse 6. And when the woman saw the tree, they saw the tree was good for food. Hmm. He saw the tree was good for food, his appetite, and that it was pleasant to the eyes. The tree was good for fruit. It was pleasant to the eye, and the tree that uh, 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 and and a tree to be desired. Okay, so she saw it. She assessed it. She started thinking, "This thing is good for food." She saw it. You see, this thing. Mm, if I like it, if I if I eat it, uh, it will be good. She reasoned. It's because Satan reasoned with her, and she accepted that reasoning in her thinking. Now, the number number two is she she desired it. Mm, I want it. Your feelings have become infested. She desired it, and she chose. I will eat it and disobey God. So, see, God said, Adam, have you eaten of what I told you? You he, he willed to do 
what he wanted to do. He willed against the purpose of God. Guess what? Your, your thinking, your, your feelings, and your, uh, um, your thinking, your feelings, and your will are all functions of your soul. Instead of using his spirit to serve God, he tries see, watch this. Adam sidestepped his spirit and operated in his soul and missed God. The first fall was because they didn't operate in the spirit. Bible says in John chapter 4, verse 24, God is the spirit. So to have a good relation with God, you must stay in the spirit. Brother, I don't know who I'm talking to. Stay in the spirit because your soul, some of us are full of our soul. I don't like the way she spoke to me. I don't like me. I feel, I, oh, I feel so down. I feel this. I feel, oh, I feel, I feel lonely. I feel this. Your soul, if you operate from your soul, you are likely, you are definitely going to miss God. They should have operated from the spirit. Their first mistake was they operated from the soul because she reasoned in her mind with the devil and she felt mm, this, the, the desire for the fruit all in the soul. And she said, I'm going to do it. I will. She operated and missed God. And so she and Satan injected himself into man. So number, n- number one, we transgressed. Number two, we, um, under condemnation. Number three, came under a curse. Number four, we, we were estranged and became alienated from the life of God. Number five, Satan's, Satan injected his will, his, his feelings, his, his thoughts, his feelings, and his will into us. Number six, uh, through the eating of the tree of the knowledge of good, Satan, watch this, Satan entered into the body. That's so important. Satan entered into human body uh, in the personality of a sin. So Satan came. So Romans chapter 7, Romans chapter 7, verse 8. I'm teaching a lot of strong, deep stuff. Romans chapter 7, verse 8. Look at what it says. Romans 7, verse 8. But sin, taking occasion of the commandment, wrought in me all the manner, uh, all, all manner of concupiscence for uh, 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 for without the law, sin was there. So sin taking occasion, it says, sin was in me. Look at verse 11. Verse 11, for sin taking occasion by the commandment. So sin deceived me. Sin is not a person. It's not a, an action. It's a person, as I keep I've been saying. Look at verse 17. Now, now then, it is no longer I that do, it, uh, that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Where is sin now? Sin is living inside me. Has moved. Since when did he come inside you? When Adam ate the fruit, the fruit represented the nature of the devil. And so as soon as he, he ate it, he, Satan entered into human body. He entered into the body and dwelt there as sin and said, wow, I've entered now. <laughs> because human beings were created to be, a ves- to be vessels. You were created to be a vessel. And Satan said, okay, before God can put himself in, let me put myself in. And Satan entered and Satan was in the flesh. <laughs> Look at verse 20, Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Romans chapter 5, verse 20. Now, if I do, if I do that, I would not. It is no longer I that do it, but sin that does what? Look at that. Sin that dwells in me. So sin was living in, where does sin live? Sin lives in the flesh, okay? It lives in the human body. So as soon as they ate the fruit that they shouldn't have eaten, it's not only that they transgressed. It's not about just transgression. It's not just about the curse coming on them. It's not just about the uh, uh, condemnation, coming under condemnation, curse coming on them. It's not just about uh, being estranged and elated, alienated from the life of God. It's not just Satan infesting or injecting his his feelings, his thoughts, and his will into our, our soul. It's not just that, but Satan, once we ate it, Satan actually checked in, entered the body as a personality. And now watch this. 
That is what is called the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is a mixture of the creation of God or the, uh, the creature of God and sin mixed to become, or uh, there's this word, transmuted. So the body has transmuted and has become flesh. He wasn't created flesh, but now he has, flesh is the mixture of sin and sin and the creature of God. Mix it to become one new entity, one body, one entity called call the flesh. So if you want to please God by the flesh, it can never happen because the flesh is, is been damaged, it's been destroyed, it's been corrupted. The human nature, the human body has been corrupted. You have been, it has been corrupted by the nature of Satan who lives in the flesh. So it says that, watch this, let me read it again. Romans chapter 5, sorry, chapter 7. Verse, I think I should read the verse 18. That would be interesting. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. So no good thing lives in my flesh. No good thing can come out of my flesh. That is why you cannot keep the law of God in your flesh. So this is this where it's leading to. And the law was given to us and we have to relate to God. And yet God is so holy. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2. He said, be holy for I am holy. So God's standard is holy. God's nature was holy. So when he created us in his image, he created us like him. And before we could say, Jack, sin has entered the body and polluted the body and corrupted the body. But let me give you, just give you one more, a, a, a few more points. So, um, what happened was that because sin, uh, Satan's nature entered our flesh, the, uh, so our body, the body became now flesh. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. It's there. Genesis chapter 6 verse 3. It said, man is now flesh. And my spirit shall not strive with him. He's now flesh. He's now flesh. He wasn't created flesh. He was created soul, spirit, and body. But instead of using his spirit, he didn't use his spirit. He operated from his soul and Satan infected his soul and then came and checked into his body. This is very interesting. So said man is now flesh. So man was not created flesh. So the, now after we, because we are flesh, the, the flesh is the fallen and the corrupted human body with all its lust. The fallen and the corrupted human body with all its lust. And it's a mixture of creature of God and sin, as I said earlier. Now watch this. So when, because man fell, not just that we became flesh, but our spirits became deadened. It's very important. Deadened and disabled towards the things of God. We became deadened and disabled or insulated from God. Our spirits became insulated. So there cannot not be real relationship and fellowship between the spirit of man and the spirit of God. As soon as sin entered, our spirits became deadened and insulated from God. So no human being by himself can pursue God because his spirit is deadened and insulated from the life of God or insulated from God. So then it is um, it's like we, we cannot never move towards God because we don't have an appetite for God because our spirits have become insulated and deadened. We lose our, what happens is that now our spirits lose its, or your, my, my spirit or the spirit of man lost, lost its function towards God. It, it can't function towards God. It's gone, kaput. The spirit of man couldn't function towards God again. That's what the, the, the fall did against us and uh, and and also because because of sin that has checked in now we are sinners so sin is not because of what you did 
but our sin is because of the sin that has checked in us. We are sinners and we became victims of sin and victims of death. So we have become sinners and victims of death. In Romans chapter 5, verse, verse 12, verse 14, verse 19, let me read it. Romans chapter 5, verse verse 9 let me read the verse 19 first for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners how were many made sinners by one man's disobedience we are all be, we are all sinners not because of what you have done but your your state of your birth you are born a sinner so and then look at verse 12 and we became vict- victims of the verse 12 says that wherefore as by one man's sin so as by one man sin entered the world and death by sin. Death came by sin. Verse, look at verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. You didn't have to do what Adam sinned. The fact that you came from Adam, death is reigning over you. Can you imagine? We became victims of death. Mm. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of Christ. Look at verse um, verse. Uh, Second Corinthians, first, first Corinthians chapter 15. I need you to see this. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22. It says that for us in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. As in Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So what happened in Adam? All died. So we became victims of death. We became victims of death and there was no way we could please God or we could do anything that would bring honor to God. There was no way. And look at Romans chapter 7. This is one thing you should, I want you to notice. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of, uh, the, the body of this death? All right. So who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Is the our bodies became the body of death. But death. But Romans chapter 6 verse 6 says something slightly different. It says that knowing this that our old man was old man was crucified with him that the body that the body of sin might be destroyed. Oh oh. So our body is the body of death and the body of sin. In what way which one is which? When it comes to when it comes to doing, committing sin against God, our body is the body of sin. It's empowered to sin. <laughs> because of the fall, we have been empowered to sin. How about the body of death? We have been neutralized. We, don't, we have been weakened, disabled. To, so when it comes to obeying the laws of God, when it comes to doing to, do anything to please God, when it comes to do, doing the, meeting the standards of God, guess what? We, we, this body is a body of death. It's a body of, it can't, it can't, it can't function. It's dead. It, it's dead towards God. But when it comes to sinning, it has been empowered, energized. It has been energized to sin against God. So it's the body of sin means energized to sin against God. It's the body of death. It means disabled to please God and do what pleases God. Hallelujah! Praise God. And so finally, um, to add to that, because of the fall, entire Romans chapter 8, verse 20 and 20. 21, it says that for the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, by, by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption, uh, bondage of corruption into the glorious liberties of the children of God. So as soon as Adam sinned, the whole creation was also subjected to sin. Uh, to bondage of corruption. So it's not only even as creation. That's why we have tsunamis, earthquakes, and disasters, natural disasters, because creation has been subjected to bondage. So when people tell you, if there is God, why are there famine? 
How can evil go on when, God, when there is God? Because entire creation and humanity is, is we, we, and by default, we move away from God and we have been empowered to do the sin. That is why God, Jesus said, I did not come to condemn because we are already under condemnation by virtue of the law of God. We are under condemnation. But he came to, oh, thank you, Jesus. Bible says that he came to save the sinners or he came to save the lost. For the son of man did not come to, uh, 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 to save the righteous, but to call the sinners to repentance, to save sinners. I think in the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 10, I believe so. He came to save that which was lost. He came to save. He did not come. Bible says that he came to give Romans, uh, Matthew chapter 20 verse 28, he came to give himself as a ransom for us all. Hallelujah! He came to give himself as a ransom, as a ransom. Who would have thought that the, the, the lamb, the, the lamb should ransom the souls of men? He came to give himself as a ransom. Mark chapter 10 verse, I think, 45, he said he came, that one to say, he came to give himself as a ransom. He came to give himself as a ransom. He did not come to condemn the world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, Bible says that God sending his son, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! We are, God, we are all sinners. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of glory, not of the law, but of the glory of God. Because when we do the law of God, it brings glory to God. Hallelujah. That's where I'm, I'm leading to. And so all these things happen. We became the impact of the fall. We transgressed the law of God. We fell under the condemnation of God. We came under the curse of God. We became, uh, uh, sorry, um, became estranged and alienated from the life of God. Um, Satan injected his his feelings, his thoughts, his feelings, his thoughts, and his will into us, into our souls. Satan checked into our bodies, our human body, and then formed the flesh. And then um, number seven says that the, the, our spirit became deadened unto God. We lost our fun, spiritual, our spirit lost its function towards God, insulated from God. And then number, number eight, we became sinners and victims of death. And then number nine, creation itself was subjected to bondage because of Adam's sin. That's how serious is it. Now, if you don't understand this and appreciate it, there's no way you appreciate what Christ came to do for us. Now, and then God gave the law when he called his people from Egypt and they started a relationship with them, he gave them a law. Why did he give them the law if Christ came, if being in Christ is the end of the law? Before I do that, I told you about justification. Now, so we now, because we are guilty and under condemnation, how can we move from guilt into con a, 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 a guilt or from condemnation? Watch this. How can we move from condemnation in the sight of God? In the sight of God, you may look all right in the eyes of men, but how about before God? Brother, how about before God? You looks all put together. You'll be making noise in church and everybody thinks that you are doing well. In the sight of men, you look okay. That's why you are comparing yourself. Oh, I'm better than that brother. Uh, they don't go to church. Uh, even me who doesn't go to church. I'm better than that. Those who call themselves, they, they say they go to church. It's because you are judging yourself by the standard of others. But it's not before the uh, others. They may not even know you. God. So before God, we are all condemned. We are all condemned before God. That's why Jesus said, I did not come into the world 
for God, the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. John 3, 17, not John 3, 16. Right after John 3, 17, he said, for the Son of Man did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that him through the, uh, that, that, uh, the world through him might be saved. Hallelujah. And so it's important to know that in the sight of God, we are condemned. But how can we now appear justified before God? So God gave them the law. So why did he give them the law? So they can keep the law. Let me talk about justification in a minute. In the book of Romans chapter 3. Thank you, Jesus. In the book of Romans chapter... There's a lot in Romans, you know. Romans is, Romans is a legal book. Romans chapter 5 verse 1 says that, Therefore being justified by faith. Hallelujah! We are justified. <laughs> what does it mean to be justified? We are no more condemned. Hallelujah. How did that happen? We are no more condemned. Yeah. Did we keep a law? I'm going to tell you in a minute. So we are being justified freely. Being justified by, by, uh, being justified by faith. We have peace with God. We are justified. We are justified. In the book of um, uh, Romans chapter 3 again, verse twenty. 21, you should know this one. Okay, you should see this one. It's, it's amazing. Okay, let me go to 30, 31. I'll come back to it. Do we then make void the law of God through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. So we are not making the law of God that the law doesn't matter because Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, okay? So he didn't come to destroy the law. We can't say the law doesn't matter. It still matters. Um, now watch this. In Romans chapter, chapter 3, verse um, 21, but now the righteousness of God the righteousness of God without the law is manifested. Huh? There can be righteousness, that's justification. You are justified to be deemed righteous before God. Oh, the righteousness, the righteousness of God without of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith, by faith of uh, by, by faith of Jesus Christ. Unto all and upon all that uh, upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Wow. The righteousness of God is available to all by faith without the law. So it says that being witness, this is very important, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. So whatever the law and the prophets wrote were testifying that there is a certain righteousness that is coming, which does not require human beings obeying the law which does not require human beings obeying the law, but then they'll be justified without obeying the law, without going through the law. So there's a way you can receive justification. You can receive righteousness before God without going through the law. Wow! Give me that one. I want that one then. In the book of Romans chapter 9, verse 30. Romans 9, 30, it says that, What shall we then say? That the Gentiles which follow not after righteousness have attained attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. So there is a righteousness which is of faith. Let's look at Galatians. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. Galatians chapter 3, verse 11 says that, but that no man is justified, watch this, this is very important. No man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident. No one can be justified by the sight uh, by the law, in the sight of God. Woo, really? Because the just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. No man, you can't be trying to, okay, I want to tick the boxes. Some people handle the, the law like a checklist. 
a checklist for salvation. Some people handle, that's what the Jews were doing. They were handling the law like uh, uh, the Pharisees. They handled the law like a checklist for salvation. Or they handled the law like a job description for the wages of salvation. A job description. The law is not a job description. The law is not a checklist. So then, Pastor, please, before you go, why did God then give us the law? Why did he give the law? Why did he give the law? Because if the law is not a checklist for salvation, why did he give the law? Or if no man, this is what we just read, Galatians chapter 3, verse 11. It says that, that, but that no man is justified by the, uh, by the law in God's sight. So long as God is concerned, no human being can be justified. So why did he give us the law? How, how, how unfair can that be then? Watch this. The, uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. A man is not. So why did you give us the law? If you cannot be justified by the works of the law, that is where we are going. We need to be justified, but it doesn't take the law. So why did he give us the law? If it, doesn't take, it didn't take the law, why did he give us the law? Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. Last one in, the area, in this sense. Um, and be and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Jesus Christ, the righteousness which is by uh, which is of God by faith. So he said, there's a, there's a certain righteousness which doesn't come from the law. If you can keep all the commandments of the the requirements of the law, then you can get that righteousness. You can, yeah, true, you can. So God actually gave us the law so that if you can attempt to keep it, then you can get the righteousness because the righteousness, I mean, God is righteous in his standard. So that would, want, that would, would lead me to just briefly talking about why did God give us the law then? Six reasons why the law was given. Number one, the law defines or portrays God. It's like a mirror because God is holy. When you look at the law, you can see it helps you to see the standards of God. Because God was taken out of our sight because of Adam and Eve's sin. They didn't fellowship with God. Now, so if you're going to have fellowship with God, you must know who God is, how he looks like. So the law defines God. Or the law, let me put it this way, the law portrays God. As I mentioned earlier on, Deuteronomy, sorry, Leviticus chapter 19 verse 2. He says that, be holy for I am holy. So if the law reflects God, that means the law is holy. The law in itself is not bad. Romans chapter 8 verse, um, sorry, chapter, chapter, look up. Romans, let me go back to Romans. Romans chapter, that's quite, Romans chapter, which one? Okay, let me go chapter 7 verse 7, chapter 7 verse 12, just to show you that the law is good. Look at Romans chapter 7 verse 7. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Romans chapter 7, verse 7, it says that, For what shall we say? Is there law sin? God forbid. The law is not sin. Look at verse 12. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandments is holy, just and good. So the law is holy, it's, it's pure, it's just and good. Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. Galatians, oh, okay, let me just go to 1 Timothy so I can cut short. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. You have to see this. He says that, but we know that the law is good if any man uses it lawfully. So the law is good. The law is good if any man uses it lawfully. The law is holy. The law is pure. The law is good. The law was more a reflection of God. Praise God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 4, it says that, 
um, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. Watch this. So the righteous, the law is righteous. It, it has righteousness. There is a righteous, if you can keep the law, it will give you righteousness before. Because the law is so much like God. It came from God. So it will give you righteousness. Hallelujah. So now, number one, the law portrays God. Number two, the law brings the acknowledgement or the recognition of sin. The law was given, why was it given? So you can see what sin is. All right, Romans chapter 7, I'm already in 7. Romans chapter 7, verse, um, let's look at verse, verse 7. I read verse 11 earlier on, so let's read it again. What shall we then say? Is the law sin? God forbid, nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. So when the law came, I now knew sin. Look at verse 13. Was then what, was, uh, what is good, the law which is good, made death unto me, God forbid, but sin, that it might appear sin, worked death in me by that which is good. That, that sin by the commandment might, uh, might appear or might become exceedingly sinful. So when the commandment came, it really came to show that sin is really bad. The commandment came to reveal and expose the nature of sin. So we do not toy with sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 13 and verse 20. Verse 13 says that, for until... Uh, 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 for until the, until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. So you can't say someone has sinned, has transgressed if there's no law. And so the law came to really show that, boy, you are caught, you are caught in the net. And then look at verse 20. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says that, Moreover, the law entered. Why? That offense, offense might abound. But where sin abound, grace abound more. So the law came in so that your sin might increase. So you must look, you, so we might look very sinful as we are. That is why people don't like the commandments. Because human beings can't keep their commandments. The more you look at the commandment, the more dirty and sinful you look now so number one it it it, it uh, portrays god number two it brings the knowledge of sin all right by the law is the i think uh, uh, it will be nice to read galatians chapter 3 verse 19 galatians chapter 3 verse 19 what does it say galatians 3 19 says that where wherefore then wherefore then okay wherefore then serves the law what's the purpose of the law it, it was added because of transgression till the, till the seed might come. So the law was added so that sin can be made clear that this is sin. So it was because of transgression, the law was added. Number three, the law exposes the true state of man. When you try to obey the Lord, you realize you feel so condemned. In Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it talks about how you cannot obey the law of God by no, no man with... Okay, let me read. Verse 21 says that. But now the righteousness of God, which is without the law, has been made manifested. Verse, um, no, verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no man be justified. So you are trying to be justified. It can't take the law because no man can be justified because, because for by the law is the knowledge of sin. You rather, when you are trying to obey the law, you are the law, you are beginning to see how sinful you are. The law of God. So the law, which was, which is, life was actually bringing condemnation to us in the book of i think I, this one is good in um in james chapter 2 verse 10 he said if you keep the law at one point and you break at upper and you break it at one you are guilty of all if you keep the law so that shall not like the way the priest was telling us in our secondary school that if you do the ten commandments if you do 
five, you have passed. No, even if you do nine and break one, you are guilty of all. That's what James chapter two, verse 10 is saying. And so the law actually came to condemn us. It didn't come to save us. The law comes to condemn us, not to justify us. Why does it condemn us? Because the more you look at the law, the more you feel, oh boy, I am a wretched man. Oh boy, who can deliver me from this body of death? Galatians chapter, Galatians chapter three, verse 10 again. I'm just going through Galatians and Romans. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10, it says that, For as many are, as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Curse is everyone that continues, that continueth not in all, all, the key word here is all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you, are, if you break at one point, you are cursed. You are cursed. It says that for the, as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse because you break it at some point. You are under a curse already. So it actually condemns us instead of saving us. Look at verse 11. But that no man is justified in the sight of God. Uh, 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 no man is justified by the law in the sight of God. It's evident. It's so clear that you can't be justified by trying to say, God, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. You, it's, so the law actually doesn't justify us. It comes to condemn us. Number four, the law... Why did God give the law? Number one, to, it's to reflect God. Number two, to bring the knowledge of sin. Number three, to expose the true nature of man. Number four, it's, it's to inhibit lawlessness. So you can't freely sin and say there's no consequences. Once you see the law, you know if you do this, there's judgment coming. That is why unbelievers do not want to stay away. Some people say, I don't believe there's God. It's because of their sin. It's because of, once you say there's God, you know that you are not free to sin. You are not free to do anything I want to do. It's my body. Leave me. Let me do anything I want. That is why you don't want to say there's, there's God. You have convinced yourself that there's no God so that you can be free to sin. Because if you say there is God, that means that there's a lawgiver and there are standards of God which you can't keep. And so that is why Bible says that uh, the law was given to inhibit sin or inhibit lawlessness, to inhibit unrighteousness, to inhibit unholiness, to inhibit ungodliness. First Timothy chapter one, again, I read it earlier on, but I read verse eight. Let's look at verse nine. First Timothy chapter one, verse nine. You will like this. Knowing this, that the law is not for the righteous man. That means it's for those who are doing bad. God gave the law so it's to catch you. The law is not for the, <laughs> knowing that the law is not for the righteous man, but for the lawless, for the disobedient, for the ungodly, for the sinners, for the unholy, for profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for man, uh, 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 man stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, the law is against it. Hallelujah. So the law, actually, it begins to bring restriction on inhibition and restriction on lawlessness because there is law. And then number five, the, this is important. The last two is so important. Number five is the law is a sign marking those who, are of, who have faith in Christ. If you have faith in Christ, the law. So I think I'll read Romans chapter um, 4. Romans chapter 4 and Galatians. Um, Galatians 3.28. Let me just read Galatians 3.28 first. Galatians chapter 3 verse 28 says that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond or free. There is neither male nor female for, uh, for ye are all uh, one in Christ. It's actually Romans 3.28 28 I wanted. 
I'm so sorry, please pardon me. But that Galatians 3.28 is nice. Add it to your scriptures. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. We conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So look at Romans chapter 4, verse 9. Romans 4, verse 9 to 11. It says that, Blessed is the man whose sins, uh, who the law will not impute sin. Come this blessedness then upon the circumcision only. No, upon the, or upon the uncircumcision also. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham um, for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? When he was in circumcision or when, uh, 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 when in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but uh, Abraham was not circumcised when he was reckoned to be righteous. All right. And he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet which he had yet been uncircumcised. So he had this righteousness before he became circumcised. But if you have faith in God, you will end up keeping his word. You will end up obeying him. Now, the problem of the, of the Jews or the Pharisees and those who didn't know God or who didn't do it God's way was they thought they could, the law, they could use the law as a checklist to look important before God. That's why a man came to Jesus in Luke chapter 18. He said, what must I do to be saved? Jesus said, do the law. He said, I've done it and I don't feel safe. Still feel safe. God, they, they thought taking the law will give them salvation. But it wasn't, the law was not given to man to keep. I will say this again. The law was not given to man to keep. In Hebrew chapter 9, verse 4, when you read it very carefully, it tells us that in the Ark of the Covenant was the, the rod of Aaron that bad it. It was the law of the, 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 the testimony, okay? the tablets that God gave, the tablets was in the Ark. And then the third thing that was in the Ark was a, a pot of manna. God told them to keep. All these three things were in the Ark and was covered so out of the sight of men. If God gave the law for us to keep, why did he say Moses put it inside the ark? Because man cannot keep the law. So why was the law given? So that it can reflect the nature of God. It can help us to see whence we have sinned. It can help us to expose the true nature of man. It can, and for us to be, to be, to know how desperate we are and we have, we need the grace of God. It was also given so that it can be the mark of a genuine, when you have faith in God. So the, what, Everybody in the Old Testament who was saved was saved by faith. They put their faith in God and their faith in God made them attempt to keep the law of God. When you have faith in God, you obey, to generate into loving obedience in, in his word. So as they were obeying the law, even when they flouted the law, they could depend on God by his grace and by faith to accept that it's because I'm trusting you, I can't keep the law. And my faith makes me look towards the law. So anyone who is really in faith of Jesus Christ, if you are in faith, you will not abandon the law of God. Your faith in Christ makes you want to obey God's law, which makes you want to obey, but it is not your obedience trying to obey God's law that saves you because you are likely to break it at any point and you come under a case. So rather, it's your faith in Christ. Christ, or oh, now, now let me let, let me let, 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 let me go to the next point in point that I can, I can run up now because Bible says that, um, uh, so the last point about the law is the law in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1, the law was a shadow of things to come. So the law was shadowing Christ. The law was like a schoolmaster. It was, in uh, according to Galatians 
Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. Look at this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says that, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. So the law, once you see the law, it's, and you really want to work with God, the law begins to point you to Christ. It's guiding you. It's guiding you to Christ. So the law was doing a work, preparing us to bring, bringing us to Christ. It was just foreshadowing Christ. It was the, the prophets were t- witnessing Christ. Every true prophet was witnessing, was a witness to Christ, testified of Christ. The law was also testifying of Christ. So when you look at the law, it was pointing to Christ. Galatians, Romans chapter 3, verse 21, it says that now the righteousness of God, which is apart from the law, has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Hallelujah. The law was witnessing that the thing is in Christ. The solution is in Christ. So in Romans chapter 7, verse 23, it says that I try to do the law of God with the law of my mind, but I can't do it. I'm trying to do, but I can't do it because sin is in me. I'm struggling to obey the law. Then in verse 24, he said, thanks be to God. Uh, no, verse 24 says that, who will deliver me from this body of death? This body of, the body of this death. This body is dead. It can't obey God. I, then he says, oh, wretched man that I am. Anytime you, you try to keep the law, you begin to see your wretchedness. Anytime you try to obey, work with God purely based on legalism, you begin to see how wretched you are. But thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to Christ. Thanks be to God. We are no more under condemnation. Why? Because we put our faith in him. And how? Let me end this by saying this. How did we, how did he save us? Christ did not come to condemn the law. But what did he come to do? Romans chapter 8 verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The flesh cannot obey the law of God. I told you why. Satan is in the flesh. The flesh cannot obey the when the flesh tries to obey by itself, all you get with, oh, wretched man, it leads to wretchedness. It leads, it leads to death and frustration and misery. The flesh cannot obey God. And so he says that, oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me? So watch this. Just that Romans chapter 8 verse 3, for, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Oh, watch this. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh because sin was sin was always in the flesh. So Christ came. The law could not do it. It could not bring the righteousness. So God has to do it by himself by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and he condemned. Christ condemned sin in the flesh. And guess what? Condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. So now when watches who walk not out of the flesh. All right. So when you come into Christ, what am I mean to walk not out of the flesh? You are now living by God. You have your faith is in Christ and you live by the standard of Christ. As soon as you come into Christ, Christ gives you, He has fulfilled the law. That's why I said, I did not come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law in obeying it and by making other people righteous. Because of the law. People are righteous. I've fulfilled it and I've given. The law was trying to bring righteousness, but I couldn't do it because it was only Christ who can bring us righteousness after the fall of Adam. That's why Christ is called the last Adam. Hallelujah. I've said so much in this short time. I I, I don't want to go any further. But in, in conclusion, Christ is the end of the law. So once you are in Christ, you don't need a law to keep. Put your faith in Christ. And as you obey Christ, you will lovingly obey anything he does. He tells you to do. The Bible says that we are free 
in Romans chapter 7, verse 6. It talks about how we are no more under the, I think, let me read it. Romans 7, says, but now we are delivered from the law. In what way? Not to, to disdain the law of God. But we have, when we say we have been delivered from the law, it means that we have been delivered from the penalties and the liabilities of the law of God. The law, the spiritual penalties and liability, if you break the law, what will come after you? And we are now being delivered from it. Once you are in Christ, you have been delivered from the liabilities and the penalties of the law. That is what Christ has done for us. That is why he said, he who the Son shall set free is free. Amen. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.